you know, Frank, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to sweat. I'm starting to get that, that same intense feeling, you know, like when we were on the CH46s inbound for those platforms, man. You know, it's just really intense feeling, and, and I'm starting to hear, like, the stainless steel clanging <laughs> of, the, of the, you know, ice breaking and, 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 you know, just things happening and ice hitting the bottom of glasses and whiskey bottles flying and, you know, there's bodies being hurled toward the bar trying to get that last drink, you know, and... <laughs> Oh, my God. Long, thin knives, Frank. I'm seeing long, thin knives and blood spilling onto, not non-skid, but a cutting board. Yeah, where they're they're slicing thin slices of beef, man. It's just going to be awesome, Frank. (laughs) If you can't tell, I'm up in Alaska. (laughs) Um, We got the banquet tonight. So um, we're going to be going upstairs at the Captain Cook in downtown Anchorage. And having our party, Mark's, um, the, what do you call it? The, uh, the Alaska Precision. MC. 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 Yeah, Mark's MC. Frank's my co-host. Co-host. And uh, so, welcome to the Everyday Sniper. You got Frank from Sniper's Hide here. And like I said, I'm up in Alaska. Uh, came up just for the weekend. We got the banquet going on. Um, about 65 people or so, give yeah, or take. 65. Ooh. It's a really nice room. It only holds 80. And if you if you book it with eighty, everybody's crowded in there. We want plenty of mingling room, cocktail you know rounds, so people can stand around and get to know each other better. But we picked the nicest hotel in Alaska, which is the Hotel Captain Cook. Uh, they throw a really great banquet spread. They got really nice rooms. Uh, it's the it's the closest thing you can get to a four five star hotel. Yeah, in yeah. Alaska, the Cook so. is super nice, man, yeah. and and it's. It's got good restaurants, good bars, good things, and there's multiple towers. But they got three towers here, yeah, and, and that kind of stuff. So this is where I'll stay when I come in before we go up north to Willow. So the one night that I'm I'm in before we travel north, I come to this place. Um, but really- we got like 400, 500 students up here. But it's the core that come back to all these events, bring their wives. Everybody's wearing nice clothes tonight. Frank brought a suit. We're going to be dressed up, not to the nines, but we're going to be dressed nicely. It's great uh, in the middle of winter time. It's a great way it's for a shooter out. to get his wife out, stay at the Captain Cook Hotel, uh, drink till you just can't, you know, till you can't function, and then uh, be able to just crash and, and, and be with like-minded people, you know, good shooters. Well, that, and that's the thing, man. We're, it's building a community, and you built a community <coughs> up here with the shooters and, and all that, and it's not just hey, come give us money, come to the thing. You're actually engaging with people. I mean, like when I came in on a Thursday, uh, was it Thursday or Friday? You came uh, in Thursday. Well, I came in Thursday, but Friday. So yesterday, um, we were at the Wiggy shop. How many, at lunch, you had everybody on their lunch break yeah, come in. There yeah. was probably six or eight guys that came into the Wiggy shop on their lunch break. Then Just a cold call. Right, I mean, right. basically, they were just walking in. Oh, Frank. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, half of them didn't yeah. know I was here. Yeah. And um, and so they're hanging out. They're in that shooter's lounge at Wiggy's. And, and you know, hey, look at this, doing that. And then they left, go back to, to work. And another crew, like four guys, came in and hung out in, for most of the day. Uh, and so that's the thing that with the classes, what, what we're doing, even going back to Sniper's Hide and everything, it's about building communities within these groups because we're much better all together with that kind of stuff. You know, uh, it, it just it's it's a much stronger thing um, being put to you know to around, uh, not put around, but put together. You know that the guys know, hey, I can go talk to Mark. 
Hey, I can go over here and see this. And it's not just about give me your money and I'm out of here. We're talking. Hey, we're talking to a big audience that's mostly in lower 48, I'm assuming. And it's harder to do something like this in the lower 48, where up here, even though Alaska's big and sprawled out, these guys are, are sort of centrally located, you know, and so we can gather more often. Um, but we're trying to create the same thing in places like Treadproof, you know, where, yeah. where we're drawing from locale uh, shooters and we're drawing from, you know, short flight student uh, shooters, um, not long flight, you know, where I consider yeah. Alaska to be a long, you know, yeah, long five hours you know. or six. So, so, you know, we're going to we're going to start thinking about doing little things to get you guys together. Uh, more often than just at the course, kiss you on the ass and, and, and goodbye, out the door you go. We want to see you again. And it's not about the money at all, although sometimes it does. I'm charging for the banquet. You know, you got to pay for dinner or else I'd be out like seven, eight $8,000. This is going to cost me money, but but uh, guys want to come. They want to associate. They want right. to continue to associate. So uh, we want to try to build the same thing, you know, maybe down Tennessee. I don't know. I, well, I think Tennessee's, in, in, in going to that tread proof, I think Tennessee's a better centralized location it's quick for georgia and the guys like talking to the army guys and things they're going to bounce over and come into uh tennessee a little bit and and you know it's new the tread proof facility is new and we're and they're working on it we're, they're improving it the range is going out and it getting extended and so they're doing that but the the the, the uh range house the classroom is big we can do these kind of events there and fit everybody yeah. and it's not expensive I mean, like you were saying, you put the email out for guys coming to Treadproof um, about the days in. Now, the days in. Don't be dogging my days dude, in. Dude, I'm wait, not going to dog, wait, 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 dog your days in. Look. I get where you're going, but it's 55 bucks. Yeah. And, it, it, and you it, can back up to you, the door. Right. You back up to the door. Your, your, your vehicle is right in front of your room, and it's not like it's out in the parking lot and nobody's watching it or anything like that. So that's a key. But the place was renovated. I'm, I'm sure it was, you know, prior to being renovated, it was probably a crack house. But now it's got all brand new clean rooms. Yep, yep. I mean, the outside still looks a little shitty, but inside is clean and new. So we didn't have any problems staying there, sleeping there. Nobody had any issues, you know. I'm telling my dad, I went to New Orleans um, for a Saints game, you know, and, and I went, we're eating dinner at Chris Steakhouse. And I'm telling my dad all about what we're doing in Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, yeah, and we stay at this, um, this Indian-run hotel. He says, oh, well, it's going to be a Patel. It's going to be a Patel, Patel, P-A-T-E-L motel. I said, what do, you, what do you mean? He goes, the last name is going to be Patel because in India, Patel means innkeeper. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, yeah, I don't know, Dad. This guy was, you know, his name was uh, whatever. And, and well, I went, when I started booking for this year now, come to find out the guy's name Vic Patel. <laughs> so my dad was right. But, but, but they pride themselves in innkeeping. You know, we, all, we often make, you know, oh, we stopped along the way and we stayed at this place run by a bunch of Pakistanis or Indians or whatever. But they're usually Indians and they're Patels yep. because that's what they do. Right, yeah. right. So, no, it makes sense. And, and, yeah. and it's a good, so, you know, we got the treadproof stuff going. Um, we got the NRA uh, <coughs> going. So it's looking like <coughs> Tennessee is going to help be a good centralized East Coast kind of location for people because Mark and I are going to go to NRA with treadproof because Doc Maurer's speaking there. And, and so we'll be doing that and having classes around that. We also have a March class, uh, right? Is it March that yep, there's one? Yep, March. Um, you know, that's going on. I had never heard back on the Altus guys, so that's probably out the window. I'm not even going to really chase it because we're already booked. I mean, the, the whole year is, is mapped out 
and trying to fit in an Altus would be pretty tough right now. Get in an early shooting opportunity, learning opportunity at the March class because that's going to be pretty special. Great time of the year before the winds kick up and they yep. start getting the weather gets windy crappy. weather through there. That's going to be a great time. Um, and get us out of, get me out of here during breakup, what we call uh, brown up, when everything just turns goes from white to brown. So um, I'm looking forward to that. I'm yeah, looking forward to yeah. March. And, and, and so, I mean, that's, that's kind of a key little thing with all of this is building these little communities of shooters. I mean, it's the same thing that this, the, the, the series are doing, really. They're just kind of making you pay to be part of the organization. It's like, give us your 100 bucks, we'll keep your score. But then it's a community. They do their dinners and their banquets and their whole thing as well. You know, it's just there's a fee to be well, a member. What I like about this is that there's no hierarchy. Right. There's no winners. There's no losers. There's no top 10. There's no bottom 10. Right. Everybody's equal, you know, and whether they take this knowledge that we give them and they go compete, which is great. Hey, that's, you know, you want to test your skills, do whatnot. I get it, man. But look, when we shoot together, we just shoot together to hit. We don't shoot together to hit better than anybody or, or faster than anybody. Uh, everybody's equal. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's a good way of doing it. So uh, we're definitely going to be looking to make all this. And I guess Mile High sent an email out. So if you guys are on the Mile High um, thing, there's some stuff for their classes that are going on as well. But the Tread Proof, we really want to create a community down there that's sort of similar to what's been created up here. And, and the reason, like I said, it's, it's, it's central. There's so much going on in that area that with, where you guys are operating. And heck, maybe you, you you do a class down there and then go bounce over to like a KM and do a competition. Yep. You know, maybe you're into that. And and that's one of those things you can do. I, I was telling Mark uh, at lunch today, I saw a great comment. So I was looking at camera stuff. You know, I always do the filming and the camera and, and all that kind of thing. So I was looking at some camera uh, articles and stuff in it this morning, uh, reading the, the May, you know, paper, everything. What do you want to call it? The internet. And there was a great article about gear. And they were talking about people who in the camera industry who chase gear like people do in the gun industry. And the title of the article, it's not about the gear, it's about the sweat you put into it. And I think that really goes because we're we tend to be gear chasers. We talk about gear, we're always, you know, every time we come up here in conversations, you, you know, Campbell coming in and saying, hey, I'm gonna get this. You know, we were talking guns with Campbell yesterday. And, and they're asking, what scope should I get? What about this? What about that? So it's really easy. And even in the podcast, we're always talking gear. Well, it's it's just as if not more important, the training you put into it and the effort you put into that gear. We, you know, we're giving you basic classes. We're teaching you those fundamentals. We're giving you a good foundation. Well, now you have to build a house on that foundation through, you know, after we're gone, after you've left our class. And it's up to you to go out there and put that sweat into it and to say, hey, now I, I they gave me tools. I got to use those tools to make myself better because it's not a silver bullet. There's nobody's class anywhere is going to make you like this, this phenomenal guy. I mean, there's some rock stars out there who just pick it up so quick. They're very athletic. They, they do well. And, and But they practice. You know, I, we were talking about competition stuff in – how, you know, we're out drinking, we're out eating, we're out socializing, we're out doing this stuff. Well, most of those guys in the top 10 are dry firing. They're practicing in their rooms. They're not at the bar. They're going through their stages in their yeah, minds. Yeah, they're, they're playing this over in their mind. They're putting in that sweat when everybody else is out there partying, you know. And so that's the thing that you, you should look at 
is what are you doing? It's new year, new start, right? 2020, we're, we're, we're moving down the road. And what are you going to do this year different? Are you going to practice a little bit different? Are you going to run something a little bit different? Or are you just going to buy your way into something? You know, is it about the money you have? It's like, hey, I didn't do as good last year or I'm not happy with something. Maybe if I buy a better gun. I think these, you said basic fundamentals. I think I think you're selling us a little bit short. These are advanced fundamentals. They are. Because you and I are free thinkers and we have original thought. Yeah, that's and, true. And original thought, if, you're, if your instructors are not creating original thought, then you're actually just getting regurgitated information. Right, right. So basically look for instructors who are going to provide original thought and we've created things. You know, so I'd, I'd call us an advanced, even, you know, hey, you got... At Treadproof um, in uh, October, we had a lot of PRS shooters there. Yeah, we did. They don't feel like they got an advanced uh, education because they all learned something. They did. They so did. if they were basic or shooters uh, then, they got an advanced learning at Treadproof. So basically, uh, let's not call it a basic course. Let's call it an advanced fundamentals course. And, and, and yeah. that, that brings me around to uh, talking to Mark up here. You know, we're looking at the, the new year. We're looking at this stuff. And I'm saying, okay, well... You know, I was talking with Eric from Minnesota, and we're gonna, Mark's going to come down and do the Minnesota class with me. And so we're, we're talking about uh, we're making that a three-day class in Minnesota. Last year it was a, a two-day <laughs> class. And so they're like, okay, well, what are we going to do for the three days? And it's like, okay, well, we're going to do a hard hit on the fundamentals in the classroom on the first day. Okay, cool. Well, that's what we do normally. Yeah. And it takes a day right, to get everybody worked out, we, we, everybody on the same sheet of music. The second day, we're, it's gathering data, right? We're, we're looking to gather that data. We're bringing you through the process where if you're a new shooter or you're somebody, what do you need to do with a new rifle or a new scope or new anything? Well, you're going to go out and you're going to gather data. So we take you through that process so you understand it. So, uh, go ahead. Hopefully day one, we zero the shooter. Day two, we start getting dope and zeroing the rifles. Right. Yeah, because you can't zero a rifle with an unzeroed shooter. Because your zero's moving, you think it's a mechanical movement, so you reach up and you dial two tenths right or two tenths left, but it's actually you. As you are becoming better, your zero's moving, let's zero the rifle later. Yeah, and, and, and that's totally it. Well then, you know, the third day is going to be that practical application and playing games and doing stuff and having little mini comps with people and, and putting them on the line. And, you know, we bring swag and stuff and it's like, okay, who, win, who wins the little mini comp? Here's a hat. You know, oh, who wins this? Okay, here's that. And, and so it's really cool that, that we're able to manipulate this and change it around. Like that Minnesota range now has a whole bunch of the shot markers, the 10 of them. They're going to be 10 of their, their NRA targets that will have the electronic shot marker from Canada. Great system, gives you muzzle velocity, gives you that point of aim, and they're tuned. We used it last year with everybody. And when you get a guy on the line and he does like a six-inch, thousand-yard group on that paper, it's a, it's, it's, it's a milestone for them. Because they're saying, well, wait a minute, man. You know, I, I was new at this. I wasn't that good. Well, we just shot a group for record on an electronic target at a thousand yards, and the dude's group measured six inches. Yeah. And, and that's, that's something that people can take away. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really putting this stuff into practical application in that but then once you leave man you gotta put in your own sweat you gotta go and do these things on your own you can't take a class and then you know six months later after having done nothing think you're gonna wander into some either competition or go do something and, and it's gonna be not good you know but that's what happens and and 
You have to practice. You have to go out and put the reps in. And, and what we're trying to do with these classes is give you the the knowledge of how to do the reps correctly. And command everything. Yeah. If, it, if we're talking about a thousand yard class, you want total command of everything within a thousand yards. Yeah. And we, we get that. Extend your comfort zone. I think we, we, we get that when we, we even, you know, up here and then the wind's not bad up here. So it's, it's a, it's a little bit like cheating. But that lets, no, let's, let's the shooter be the shooter. Yeah, it does. It because, does. Because then the shooter is the decider instead of the wind being the decider. Right. So I, I get your point. Oh, they're not shooting in the wind. They're not learning when. No, but they're learning to be good shooters. Right. And then if you take that into the wind, the wind now is the reason you're not hitting. Now command the wind. Right. And, and then, then you've got a great shooter and a great... I mean, if you're getting caller. those repeatable hits at 1,000 yards with good conditions and you're not, you know, shanking one here or there, well, then now you can progress to the next level because like Mark said, you're, you're, you're a fine-tuned shooter at that point and you have to take that information and now bring it to these other other either locations situations or whatever the case may be so that's that's something that I, I think really works out well for what we're doing but i mean it's community man we we want guys to to you know gel with that gel become the, buddies yeah. become distant buddies become you know uh short range buddies you guys shoot together. You guys travel together. These guys up here are starting to travel together. Yep. James is taking his boys down. To, uh, well, he's going to shoot Q with you in May. I may or may not be there. And then uh, they're going to roll right into what? The Night Force Q Creek yeah, Night uh, Force. ELR match. So the yep. guys up here are gelling together. And I like that word, gelling together. And then they're going to now be traveling down. And, and they're going to come and get a little work up prior to going to Q Creek. Then they're going to go up to Q Creek and they're going to shoot the Night Force ELR match. You know, so it's building these little communities that then they can then replicate and move down the down the road. But yeah. that's part of what we're doing here with the banquet. You know, is 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 reinforcing that relationship. You're part of the community. Yep, relationship. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you know, and, and it's it's not always just about hey, what can I sell you today? Uh, anybody can sell you anything, man. We, we're not sweating that. You know, we we want you guys to hang out, have a good time, bring your wives. Everything's cool, and and get out. You know, so. What else? Oh, we're gonna man. do part two because we're gonna do this today and tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow, you, tomorrow, or in a in a moment, you'll get the after action report. We're gonna yeah. cut it short and then go to the uh, the banquet. Give you the action after action report tomorrow. We'll put, post some photos. Maybe maybe do a photo. Yeah, I'll yeah, do yeah, some. Yeah, I'll do some Facebook yeah, stuff yeah. or something from my my personal Facebook site in in Sniper's Hide. Maybe I'll throw some stuff up. But think, and I don't want to say outside the box because it's really not outside the box. But think about. It's a new box. Yeah. It's a new box. It's think, all going to be inside the box. Now. Think about what you're doing moving forward this year. Think about your schedule. Think about how you're going to address your practice, how you're going to, you know, validate that practice, what you're going to do to make yourself a better shooter having been given new tools or understanding what's going on. And like Mark said, we can work the wind and we can do this in other locations. And we, we are getting that where guys are taking classes up here. And then coming down and taking a class with me down. We've had that last year at Mile High. Almost needs to be a wind class because sometimes dude. you struggle in the wind. You got to say, oh, you yeah. got to know. Yeah. Oh, dude, our wind is so bad. Yeah. I mean, everybody knows that. So the if wind. you got a guy struggling in the wind, is are his fundamentals really getting that much attention? Yeah, you know? yeah. So, no, they're yeah. not because they're getting they get sloppy when they get yeah. frustrated, you know. And that's part of the thing. So you want that reinforcement earlier. Be People will tend to chase the wind, you know what I mean? Just keep throwing rounds at it as quick as they can. Okay, you adjust, 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 adjust. Instead of sitting back and going, okay, what am I doing? Yep. How am I engaging this wind? And 
Is it taking me six shots to hit the target in the wind? Or is it taking me three shots to hit the target in the wind? Or is it taking me two shots to hit the target in the wind? Which you want to be in that two-shot zone. You know what I mean? So it, it's, it's all part of it. it. It's not just one aspect. It's multifaceted. So yeah. there you go. What else you got going on? That's, man, this is it. It's snowing. I've been dealing, I've been dealing with this for weeks, weeks and months now. So I'm just ready for the new, uh, for the spring training cycle to start. And uh, let's roll into some new shooters, a couple old shooters. Guys are going to join us that were that were with us uh, in the past years. Mm-hmm. So we got a full, full, big, full, another full complement of shooters up here in Alaska. We got uh, 10 courses. They're building uh, to almost full. I got a couple May spots. And September spots, and that's about it. But but those are great times to take a course. So. Yeah, especially if you want to come up. Um, the September one's kind of neat. Don't we do a back-to-back in September? No, September's only one course that, that leads to the... Uh, oh, the reunion shoot. Reunion oh, shoot. okay, okay. I thought September we had a back-to-back for some reason. Um, didn't remember, but uh, yeah, so... Got a lot of Utah guys coming up. Oh. David Nguyen uh, from Utah. He's bringing uh, three or four of his buddies we got uh, James Parent going to join us again from California. And I noticed another California name just joined us the other day. So so we're getting a lot of outside support. Mm-hmm. Guys coming up for training and seeing Alaska as well. Yeah, yeah. Guys go fishing, go do whatever they want to do. You know, spend some time. There's enough stuff up here that their families can go do stuff. If you wanted to come up with a family, you take a two-day class or a four-day class, your family could be Put out. them in the RV, let them go up right. the road. Yeah. yeah, they do that rental like you did with Doug, right? Yep. They, yep. They, they got in the RV and they just drove around. And, and so they can go fish, do this, and then when you're done with the classes, go meet with the family, have dinner at Sheep Creek, and then uh, even Molly and Jesse are coming up tonight for yep. dinner. Yep, yep. So, They're um, coming to town. Coming to town. Wow, face out of the woods. All right, well, we'll let you go. And we'll be back tomorrow, uh, which will be right after this, but the second half of this will be continuing shortly. Thanks for listening, and we'll report back later. We survived the night. Let me see. Wait, is it going? Yeah, it's going. Thanks for double check and make sure we're recording. So we we had our banquet. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, we had a good time. Excellent food, man. I I used to be a banquet chef for Marriott when I got out of the corps, uh, and um, I couldn't do it any better. Yeah. No way. I mean, everything was superb. Yeah, it was you know? really really good. Great company. Everybody had a blast time. Um, the funny all night, man. You your TJ. You got to tell me TJ story. Oh, um, <laughs> how did it go? He go. He was. I had these guys sitting at our table, and uh, they're air, former Air Force guys, and now they're pilots. They're pilots for FedEx, and he was telling a story, and and every I wasn't really listening, and he goes, yeah, and the guy is a Marine, but he's pretty sharp, <laughs> just like that. And I said, what did you just say? And and and, and anyway, it just turned into a hell of a night. We were talking about crayons. I say, hey, just because we eat crayons doesn't mean we're stupid. Exactly. You know? <laughs> and so no, it was that was a good, pretty good time with everything. It, it's good bringing that community in, um, in, in just building these little, you know, uh, groups that everybody can get together. Every every seat was full, um, and and it really was. And then we moved downstairs. Uh, Had a couple drinks yeah, after. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that's kind of what we're building, man. We're talking about. I don't even remember what we talked about yesterday. <laughs> yeah, it requires but, no commitment except um, uh, gather and have fun. And you know, this is much as much for the ladies. The non-shooting ladies. We had a lot of we got we a lot of, a lot of shooting ladies. Yeah, yeah, we do. But, but we get there's a lot of non-shooting ladies, and uh, it gets them out into a nice hotel. And we had a, we had, we had, had, a, what, had a blast. Four, Ken Peltier, country music. He's a local country music really famous star. He does play in Nashville, and he, and he opens for bands and whatnot. 
uh, but but he came out as a friend of mine, and just did three. He's a Wiggies. Yeah, he's, uh, he's a Wiggy fan. Yeah, and he came out and, and did three songs for us, and and was late to a gig because yeah, know, he, he, had a, he, had a, too long. he had a concert tonight to do with his band. He came and did an acoustic set, three songs for us, and these stories and stuff because the guy's a cancer survivor, and some other stuff. So we we had the stories going on, and he's talking about he was in the middle of making a record when they found throat cancer on him and some other things. Yep. So he, he was kind of saying how he was working to do the record. Um, but it was interesting. It was a good time. But we had four women who were students in the class at the banquet. But then we had everybody brought their wives. So their wives get to participate and finally meet us. And then the ones like um, Rick, who's there, who was listening, his wife's, oh, I recognize your voice from the podcast because yep. the, the, you know, the guy's listening to the podcast in his man cave and the wives can hear us talking. <laughs> but we, we get to meet everybody's wives. They get to dress up. I'm in my suit. You know, everybody's got their jackets and ties on. Just a lot of fun. It was. It was in a, a different aspect. You know, you always see them on the line. You always see them at the range and whatnot. Just a whole different aspect. Gets everybody out has a good time. And, and really, it allows us to go beyond talking shooting. You know, like, because everybody's like, you're expecting with me and laughing. I'm like, no, nope, I'm not working, man. I ain't yeah. talking to you about it. So I just, yeah, hey, thanks, everybody. But it, you know, yeah, there's questions and, and people, you know, or pick your brain for certain things. I mean, that's that's the thing is is communicating what's working, what's not. You know, where where do you see value? Like this morning, for example, with Campbell, you know, he was asking me about the Valkyries and stuff, and, and he, like he wanted to do a bolt gun, and I said, well, you know, you got these guys on snipers hide this deep south tactical. They're selling barreled actions, Bartland barrels and like 700 trued up actions for like 900 to $1,200. And it's a great deal and everybody's having great mm. success with them. And I've mentioned this before a couple times on the podcast that barreled actions are really for companies, are really a great way to go because they can keep the prices low. People can put it in whatever stock or chassis they want on their own, you know, pick triggers and do different stuff like that. But as long as you got a good barrel on it, like the Bartlands, um, it, it's 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 a good deal. And so, talking with the guys on the hide with that Deep South Tactical, the, everybody's been really happy with the product. So this morning at breakfast, when we saw Campbell, he was asking me about that, and it's like, dude, look at Deep South Tactical. Yeah. And 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 so yeah, that's that's kind of where our head was at. A lot of the conversation I got in last night was had to do with the shift. To ELR, yeah, you know, guys have come in and they've conquered the thousand yards, you know, which is not ELR, it's just it's just mid range, and they're they're now looking at ELR as the next frontier, right, right, you know, and and so they're spending money in that direction, um, uh, moving to shoots that are geared toward ELR, yep. um, it's 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 the new precision rifle. What you what 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 yeah. precision rifle uh, became ELR is becoming now. the the, uh, the ELR man is so it, it's more in tuned with kind of like Mark's mentality of that the the it's not the alternate positions it's not the fast and dynamic it's slow methodical so it really plays into sort of the Marine Corps mindset because I'm I'm gonna tell you like go on Facebook go on these different places. <clears throat> And look at the guys shooting ELR. Their head's not on the stock because they can't do it because some of them still are using risers. You know, their fundamentals, they're kicked off to the side because there are a lot of older guys who are kind of getting into it or still doing the little green army, man. And, and they're, they're, 
it's like one of the most critical elements is 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 that position, that fundamental is getting that recoil straight and and you can't it. just buy the hit. No, you can't. You can spend a lot of money getting the hit, but you can't just buy the hit. Your fundamentals are going to be much more critical and, at and, the longer range. And that was something I saw at King of Two Mile, is because I there was guys who were top ten because like King of Two Mile the last time the last two times I went I didn't go this previous year, um, it just didn't have any benefit for me to go. But um, the two the years prior, I've gone to all the King of Two Miles, and I I focus on those top ten guys that make it to the potential of the two mile shot. And this year, nobody hit it and nobody got to that. In previous years, you'd have one or two people who who made it. This year, nobody did it. And I've looked at their fundamentals and looked at their positions and looked at what they're doing, and they're and they're really textbook examples of what not to do and to me it, it's like the 22 guys are putting in so much more effort with this stuff because they're not getting beat up and the guns are smaller they can get to it where the elr guys they're spending so much money it's so critical that you do everything right and i don't see them doing it so i kind of feel people are just throwing rounds down range and wasting that money trying to buy the hit trying to buy it and and it, it's the mindset, like I, I remember when we did an ELR class uh, in Colorado a couple years ago, and we had, uh, and we went to twenty five hundred with it. But I had a guy and and coming down the line with him, and one guy with a Desert Tech, and he he's like boom 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 at, at like two thousand yards, and I'm like he's like yeah I got my hits. I'm like how many rounds did you shoot, dude, to get that hit? And it was like twelve rounds. And I'm like nah, dude. See, you got to clean this up. One or two or three. Right. You got to. And he had no concept until he counted his brass at just how much he shot. Because it's like crack, man. You're trying to go you more, more. I'm so close. You see that splash a foot away from that target? I got to throw another one. You know, and the splash might be just in front of that target. I got to throw another one. You know, I got the wind lined up, but now I got to get my vertical right. And they just. It's 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 addictive. And it's just, I got to throw another. I got to throw another. I'm so close, I can't beg off and reset. I got to throw another. And so that's kind of that thing that I think people should avoid. And and really looking at how are you approaching the ELR today and not just expecting, like Mark's saying, the, the equipment to take up the slack for you. Because we are pushing. Time of flights alone, that bullet's in the air for so long it, it, it's it's got so much effect going on around it that it, it, you know you mess it up the shot you slap the trigger you're not on it you're off to the side it recoils a little funny um, you know all these different things on top of this extended time of flight that becomes the issue so I, I really think people need to focus on that and, and and take a better look of how they're approaching this ELR shooting because I, honestly go online Go look at the photographs and just take a mental note. Go in the comments and when you see them, count how many you see where you would consider these people to have really poor fundamentals. If they got videos, see if they're slapping and tapping the triggers. You know, which, okay, you can get away with a lot with that kind of big heavy rig in terms of your trigger control, but it's not consistent. And why would you? Right. Why would you compromise that? And, And, you know, I really think we should be 
looking at things like the brake technology to maybe move the blast away from coming back towards the shooter a little bit and, and, and playing with brake technology a little bit better. And, and then looking at the rifles and, and maybe even a plunger system into the stock so you get a, a little bit more consistent recoil and not so much a snap on the shooter. But because it, it, to me, it feels like we're, we're taking that same M40A3 style rifle and just scaling it up, but not realizing it just doesn't quite work that way. Artillery, right? They scale up artillery. They start putting things in there that, that help keep that running straight and consistent. I mean, our ballistics and everything are coming from artillery. Look at how an artillery rifle is designed. And now if we're going to be shooting artillery-type ranges 2,000 yards and beyond, I think we got to start thinking about looking at how we're designing these rifles and putting a little bit more artillery tech in them. Speaking of artillery, I had a guy uh, ping me the other day for coming to a course. And he says, I got two rifles to choose from. I got a 338 Lapua and I got a 300 Win Mag. Both I shoot from a lead sled. And I'm not very happy with my, my accuracy or precision. Where do you start with that? I, well, I, what I told the guy was, look, man, you're, you're choosing big guns because you think big guns are going to get it done. And big guns will get it done. But in a learning environment, gets, have, bring some recoil to the party. Bring a little bit of recoil to the party so you got something that you can, you can learn to manage. manage but, but we don't need a big gun. They tear up steel. You know, 338s tear up steel and whatnot. And by all means, please, gentlemen, get away from a lead sled. A lead sled does nothing but destroy rifles. It doesn't know how to accept recoil, so there's just a big explosion in this lead sled, and and it's not shooting for you. You think it's shooting for you and handling a lot of that recoil. All it's doing is just putting it back, and it's just going to tear up your yeah. mounts, your rings, everything else. Stop with the lead sled. I just mean, just forget I mean, it. even thinking going back to this artillery comment and that and the lead yep. sled, like they have these ransom rests. They're pneumatic. <clears throat> the ransom rest is kind of like the standard right now. If you want to test a rifle without um a shooter influence it's pneumatic you know what i mean it's expensive. So it accepts recoil yeah it, it yeah. does it's super expensive yeah. it's not cheap but if you watch it, it it's moving things in a very consistent way and it's like mark saying it's accepting that recoil and it's not trying to stop it dead in its tracks it's working with it almost like the human body does right we're absorbing that recoil and the goal is to try to get it out our feet in, in Dissipate a, it through right, your body, right. out straight out your feet. In a consistent manner. Yep. So, um, and then from that, uh, you know, going into that conversation, uh, talking with some of the guys, and James was there, and, and at the end of the night at Fletcher's, um, Fletcher Christians, and uh, we were talking the 22, and like James doesn't really want to kind of deal with the competition side, and I don't think the range we use up in Talkeetna is set for competitions. It's not a very good comp range. And so one of the guys was like, we want to do this stuff up there, but what do we do? And it's like they have a double-wide 200-yard bay that is empty. And that's where I brought Not being utilized right, at not, all. It's empty. And I said, dude, that's where you guys should be setting up a 22 carnival and having 22 shoots and have a carnival system where then people can do these alternate positions. People can do the run and gun. They can do the ladders and they can do the chairs. They can do the movers and the bowling pins, but scale it down for that environment. The average range in the U.S. is 22 or 200 yards long. Okay, that's your average range, 200 yards. 
So scale down, not up when it comes to trying to play these games and to get into it. And I say that now more so because our t- we, we have so many choices and options. You know, before it was like Ruger 1022 and some of the other stuff, the Taxiles and things like that. But now with Voodoo, mm-hmm. with the Ultimatums, with, with all these 22s. Sky's guys, the limit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Anschutz, uh, sky's yeah. the limit. And so that's kind of where I was like, take advantage of that. Because you have to pass it. That, that This empty 200-yard range is the last thing you pass as you turn the corner to go to the 1,000. And what does everybody do? They walk right past that 200. It's completely empty. And they want to run right to the 1,000. And, and I get it, and, and, and that's a bucket list for a lot of people. But in terms of the sports entertainment aspect, the learning aspect to it, they're, they're passing up their, their greatest asset on that range, and they're just walking right past it. So that's kind of where I, w- I was going with that. Um, but, but I agree. I mean, it, it's two in, in, uh, extreme ends, But right? Yeah, but it's expanding on both ends. Yes. It, the, the 22 ends, end and, and, the three, and the 40 caliber. 37 caliber, 40 caliber. Yeah, too. yep. So, yeah, you got your 41s and your 37s are, are growing on one side, and then you got your 22 growing on the other side. In, in the middle's being served by your, your 6s and 6.5s and 308s in, in that way, but that's where these comps are coming in, like PRS NRL. They're taking advantage of that. Well, where is the middle going? The middle's going to positional and speed, right? How fast, how quick. And, and then from what kind of position are you engaging these targets? And, and there is a certain amount of reality. Um, I'm talking with some LE guys uh, over the weekend here, having a little phone chat yesterday. And, and they're looking at these alternate positions in, in .gov more so than local LE. Because .gov's kind of sliding in onesie-twosie guys to learn from the competitions. Because they're, they're, they track statistics. And I think I have it on my phone. Um, let me see if I can pull it up. Mark, say something for a minute. While something he, for a minute while, while yep. Frank's uh, pulling this up. But let me see what he said, how many. He told me how many prone shots they had in in this thing. And it was, you know, with the LE engagements. Here we go, right here. So, there, again, it's back to the 57 yards of their average. And that only bumps with the onesie-twosie. We, him and I talked about the the. The onesie twosie shots that happen over 400 yards, which move that statistic from the 50s to the 70s. Because your average street, 75 yards across the street. So that means with a car set up in the street and shooting into one of these things that. A lot of that tracks back to the Randy Weaver day. Yeah, right. That's they got it all wrong. They got everything wrong. Everything about that whole deal was wrong. But so here's what he's saying. Um, it, the snipers encountered during real-world engagements, only two or three have been prone shots. And the average distance has been determined at like 57 yards. So what does that mean for the guys in the middle? Positional. Positions, positions, positions. Right? So we, we have to start focusing on that sitting, kneeling, standing, supporting the rifle, and building positions and getting in and out quickly. You know? So, I mean... On our off time here, we're working the problem, and what we're doing. And, and some guy was saying, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get a little randy here with, with one thing. Some jerk off was kind of saying, well, you know, Frank's kind of going one way and going another, and and it's like we're adapting. Don't he, what he said is don't take a course that they're constantly adjusting, and it's like what are you an idiot? 
why would you not take a course that's constantly adjusting what, what's happening in the real world? Some guy tried to troll and come onto the Podbean app and say something that, you know, we don't know what we're doing because we're constantly hunting for the right answer. Well, what would you want out of an instructor? And that was what you were saying yesterday. We're free thinkers. Yep. We're, we're, we're willing and able to adapt on the fly to better serve our students. And, and that's important, man. We're just not regurgitating the same thing. We're not saying this is what we did in the Marine Corps. This is what you're going to do now. We're saying this is what we learned in the Marine Corps and how we apply it now. You know, there's a difference in saying that. And, yeah, we can do this, like I said, the, the, go into these slow, methodical, we stalked up to a, a, our FFP, we're building a position, we're watching, we're ready, we're, we're, we're all in there. Everything's slow and methodical. But that would, in, those, in those days, nobody made you take a shot. Right. You only took a shot if you were going to live to write the book. Yeah. You didn't get in there and expose yourself taking a shot. You, you only took a shot if you had a target, a high-value target, and you could get away with and, it. And we were, it was drummed into us, too. No more than three shots from any one position because you, you catch artillery round back, you know, in a big war kind of deal. And that was, that was your World War II doctrine. That was your German sniper, your Russian sniper. Shoot. Then displace, and so the 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 goal was not to. Well, get I mean, far. in the urban environment, you stay on a rooftop too long, they're gonna find you. Yeah, you yeah. Know, they're, gonna they're gonna drop gonna... a mortar. They're gonna drop a mortar on you. Or they're gonna do something. Send an RPG your way. Yeah, and, and it's gonna people are gonna get hurt. So, so you, you have to yeah. displace. You have to kind of move around. So that's a whole different mentality. In in you know now it's more raids. They're coming in quick. They're hitting houses hard, and the and the snipers are supporting the raid. And so what is that? That's PRS. That's NRL. So they're going to move quick, they're going to run up a ladder, they're going to set up, and they're going to have this really awkward, funky, quick position to cover the assaulters. So this is the same thing the LE and the military guys are starting to adapt to and to move. But it's also close range. Yeah, it's yeah. very close. Again, yeah. it's, the, it's the inside 400 yards because that's your city block, but you got a picture across the street again, 75 yards. You know what I mean? I remember uh, one of the, on the ranger side when we were working down at Rifles Only, it was 1st Battalion Ranger guys. Like, one of their highest value shots they took was 90 yards, and the dude did it with the Mark 12, mm -hmm. you know? So it, it, he, he, he tagged a high-value guy in the, the compound in Afghanistan that he did this at was 90 yards across, and, and that's what he did. He, he took a 90-yard shot with a, with a, with a 5.56 and, and no problem. And so I remember, like, 1st Battalion... Was in their area of operation was really big with the with the Mark 12s. They carried that because they could carry the same amount of rounds and a lot of loadout as the assaulter guys do. So they're not going to run out of ammo. But then, like Third Battalion, where they were working, there were more 300 Win Mag guys in, in 308s. You look at the Nick Irving stuff. He was 308, 300 Win Mag. He wasn't a Mark 12 guy. But you know the first guys, a lot of them liked the 12s better, and that's being situationally aware. And then recognizing your target audience to say, all right, you're operating here. This is what you're going to need to do. Oh, you're operating over here. This is what you're going to need to do. And so it's it's considerations, man. I saw a thread, uh, change subject a little bit. I saw a thread where guys are, are, you know, we gave them the weaponized math and now they're they're using it. They're thinking and they're using it to the 22 level. Yeah, they scaled it. Some guys scaled it down to 22 and created the same uh, flow sheet that we created for the weaponized math down to on a 22 caliber level. That I thought is brilliant. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, somebody's thinking, you yeah. know, they're, they're actually thinking now instead of just 
going to the Rays. Well, so. and and to, to 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 get back to that thinking part, this is where people kind of think I'm being a dick to and I'm being short. Where I say, "Don't make me pick your favorite color." I want you to think smarter. I want you, and I'm being short about it, and I'm being like, "Dude, I'm not picking your favorite color." Just you know. And what I've been doing on the hide uh, the last week or so, and even a little bit more, is when guys are coming in and asking me to pick their favorite color, I'm purposely coming in, and it sounds like I'm scolding them. But I'm not <coughs> scolding you because I'm then writing out how that same question should be asked, how to make it smarter, talking about budget, talking about mission, talking about what are you looking to do with this system in your life, and why should we recommend something to you? Because we don't know anything about you, you know? So if you're gonna ask me A or B, well, wait a minute, look, give me some background. Help me help you with a little bit of this background. And you talk about qu people quizzing you on gear? Well, yeah, asking gear questions, yeah, right, gear, right. Yeah. It's always gear questions, you know what I mean? And, and that's the thing is why we're trying to be, you know, I'm a winner, we're, not, we're, in, we're in the house more, I'm on the computer more, so I'm seeing where it's just gear, 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 yeah. gear, gear. I mean, today, I fielded three gear questions on Facebook today, messaging me. Um, I, I got I got some money. I'm going to sell this scope. Should I buy this scope or that scope? Attributes, man. Yeah. Uh, look at the think. Do your own thinking. Look at the attributes of the of the the optic, and make your own decision. You don't need Frank's recommendation. Um, you need his attributes. What are the attributes of this scope under this situation? Is it going to be ELR? Is it going to be 22? Yeah. Is it going to be just regular long range? And, uh, and that was a question that, that came up last night with, with James, and, and he was putting together a 22, and we were talking scopes on that. And, and I said, you know where I see the benefit? Number one, the Schmidt and Bender, the 5 to 25. The prices have come down considerably. They're, 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 they're out there. 5 to 25 focuses in close because it can be an air rifle scope. You know what I mean? It, it was designed for indoor as well, so it's got close focus, number one. That LRR reticle that I shot like two years ago, I think I brought it up here. Mm -hmm. For what we do, it was really small and thin, and I found myself turning illumination on here and there to see it better, but I shot it mostly on 25 power, which I normally don't like. But then... For a 22, it's a super fine reticle. It's got great glass. It focuses down close. And if I do need to bump the illumination on, I can. It gives me the 26 mils of elevation, so I have what it needs. But that LRR reticle is tiny. It's bench rest tiny. 22, that's yep. going to serve you better. Yep. Yep. And so that's where my attribute was reticle there. But, I mean, if you're asking me a question, should I get a night force attacker and like one guy's asking me, should I get the seven to thirty-five? This one was yesterday. Seven to thirty-five or five to twenty-five of the same scope. Like, do you want to know about the Mark V? Should I get the seven to thirty-five or five? I'm like, that's like, why do I need to? It's like you, you. That should be your answer, not mine. You know, I don't see a need to go down to five, but if that's the way the the zoom range works, okay. I think right now the way I don't see a reason to be on thirty-five. No, me neither. Uh, there is there is certain things for paper that you can do with that, but I wouldn't go on thirty-five either. But to me, it's sort of like where where the sweet spot needs to be is sort of that eight to forty for what we're doing today, because nobody's going below ten, you know. And if you do go down to eight, that's plenty. You don't need to go below eight for what we're doing with these bigger rifles. 
But then you guys do want the magnification for smaller stuff for paper and for load development. They can go up to 40, but then we're going to operate in that 20 zone. And it's going to be sweet. Your glass is going to be crispy because it's in the middle. You're going to have that good movement, good field of view. Everything's going to be nice. Eye relief's forgiving. Yeah, eye relief's going to open up. You know, so to me, there's, there's, we're now operating in the middle of the range, but on the lower end of that middle, instead of always trying to push the edges of things. You know, I, I want that sweet spot. So well, that's, that's kind of where our conversations have been going and sitting around and talking and all the ice flow moved into the bay. Oh, did you see that crazy full moon last night? No. It was, it was shining on really cool. Nice. Yeah, right. Real cool. So what else we got, man? Um. That's about it. Yep. You're on a plane when? I'm on a plane at uh, like midnight tonight, 11.50, and I'll be home 6 in the morning. I guess I got some snow in Denver happening. I'll see you again next month. We'll go to Tri Proof and yep. do March class. Yep, yep. And, and so yeah. um, that that's kind of where we're at. But I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, get on the app and comment and, and go through with that. Uh, you know, you, give, tell us what you're thinking, you know. And if you want to write out a book and you don't want to do it on the Podbean app, go to the Sniper Side Forum. Go to the Everyday Sniper section, reference this thing, and say, Create hey, Frank, a thread. Create when, a thread. Yeah. When you and Mark were talking about this, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, okay, here we go. And and, and you can go do it that way. But, Mom, well, what do you got, man? Give him some, give him some uh, crayon-eating advice. Oh, advice, man. Don't marry too many times. Three, four is good. You, know, you, just, don't, <laughs> you just don't have to get married too many times. Mark's working um, on five. Yeah, yeah, I'm a professional. You know, I'm taking it slow. I'm taking it a little slow now. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, no, guys, it's been a great, been a great time. Um, always look forward to for doing doing a podcast. And me and Frank aren't, aren't together very much, but when you know when we do, uh, really enjoy chatting with you guys. So, all right, man. Have a great one. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Later. <laughs>